The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we wait for the music to play, and then we join you guys. It's the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365 as the countdown continues to the restart of the Philadelphia Eagles season. The bye week isn't quite behind us yet, Johnny Mac. You and I are toiling away here. We were here all last <laughs> week and yesterday, and we're here today and tomorrow. The Eagles don't really mosey back in to get any football work accomplished until tomorrow but they have been in and out of the facilities and they didn't get great news yesterday with Quez Watkins. Yeah, not, uh, I mean, the NFL as a whole uh, was hit pretty hard, probably the worst day really since the start of the pandemic for the NFL. Um, And you think about last year and how, but obviously the protocols were more intense last year. The testing was every day. So they never had this crux of, uh, positive test 37 across the league in all two for the Philadelphia Eagles Quez Watkins as you might mention uh, Jason Huntley practice squad running back also tested positive so they're on the COVID list Washington took four hits and one of them was Jonathan Allen so that team is that they have nine players on the COVID list right now um and we're not even talking about normal injuries. Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin, they lost their center to a torn Achilles, who's the backup center anyway. Um, whew, uh, you know, it, it's an uncertain time. And I got a feeling this month, this last month in the NFL, there's going to be a lot of complaining around the NFL about competitive advantage, competitive disadvantage. But one thing that the league showed last year and I always chuckle at my, my buddy Howard Eskin, uh, who you worked with for many years. Howard got really fired up about them letting fans into certain stadiums last year, not letting fans in, in other stadiums and how it was a competitive advantage. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They're going to play the games. And if you have nine guys on the COVID list, tough luck. SOL, as they say, Jody, and I, there's going to be a lot of complaining over the last, this last month. Except they didn't. I know you're the point you're trying to make, and for, uh, they did get all the games in last year, but there were games that were pushed back. They had one Sunday game that wasn't played till Thursday, so they did try and keep it as competitively fair and balanced as they could. Now, at the end of the day, here's where your point comes in. They're going to get the games in. Oh, yeah. It's not going to happen that they're going to play less games and there were contingencies put in with tiebreakers if a team missed the game. They didn't miss any games. And they're not going to miss any games this year either. So when push comes to shove, teams are going to have to play shorthanded 
if it gets that bad, the NFL is going to get them all in. But uh, I don't want to make it sound like the willy-nilly, they just said, yeah, tough, everybody's got to play. Uh, no, they they did attempt to try and keep it as fair and balanced as they could. To a I, point. I, I, I get your point. They did slide back a couple games, and, and, and you know, other times, you know, Denver would be the best example with their whole quarterback room. It, they didn't. So, you know, that probably defines the NFL better than anything else is – inconsistency there is no consistency there is no um you know people talk about precedent with the nfl a lot there is no precedent they don't care about what they did before they don't care what's coming up around the corner but what you got where we agree 100 percent, jody they're getting the games in so uh you can you can complain from the highest mountain you can get up to uh they're getting the games in and I don't even think they're pushing games back this time. Uh, that was last year when it was more difficult circumstances. Again, the more uh, intensive protocols, the more intensive testing. Um, they're getting the games in. What's frustrating for the players, a lot of players, What number one, and I've said this before, and we get in trouble with people on the stream. I don't care. Uh, a lot of the players, first of all, nobody asks how the players are doing. I've yet to hear anybody ask, hey, how's Quez Watkins doing? Right. I hope Quez Watkins is okay. I hope he's asymptomatic. I hope Jason Huntley's okay. Nobody even asked that basic human empathy question. As they, And I'm not talking about you, Jody. As they scream uh, at each other on social media about vaccinated and non-vaccinated. As far as I know, Quez is vaccinated, by the way, because or he's been ignoring protocols this entire time, which would be worse for the Eagles. So he could be uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, well, that's what I'm saying. You have could to be, throw that. He could be Antonio Brown. That's why I throw that caveat out. <laughs> so I, my guess is, my best guess is he's vaccinated. I, I hope he's asymptomatic, uh, as I think, you know, when you bring that up, I think everybody goes, oh, yeah, I hope he's okay. Uh, and, and I hope they really believe that. But, but from a player standpoint, a lot of these players – and I was texting one last night from a different team who was on the COVID list and has no symptoms whatsoever, but is unvaccinated. And he's a little bit fired up. Um, and it's, it's you know, guys had for years have played with flus and that's their... Now, I'm not, I don't want to get into that conversation, but you get my point of the frustration of these players who, if they... We're in a more normal occupation. Obviously, they wouldn't be paid as much, so it doesn't matter. They don't have to get tested every day, you know. It, 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 it's it's so in a lot of ways, it's a self fulfilling problem. I think um, a lot of people would go through this process and not even know they were sick. Remember, these are these are very young people in the primes of their life who are in extremely uh, great physical shape as opposed to someone like me uh, aging, not in the best of shape. And I got to be much more careful. So it's frustrating for them uh, when you're in a playoff race and you can't go out there and play and you feel a hundred percent. And Oh, by the way, you played through colds and flus and things in the past and you play through real injuries you know as i said what you know taylor heineke if he gets through the week is going to be playing with 
a knee injury and an elbow injury, and Jalen Hurts is going to be playing through an ankle injury and so forth and so on. So from the player standpoint, it's frustrating. Um, I don't know how you fix it. I wish I did know, but they're going to play the game. So you're right. you're SOL. And for those uh, who don't know, and I think that probably 90% of the people who are streaming us right now and or watching us after the fact uh, do know what the protocols are and what the, the rules are that are in place right now. And again, if you're going to get annoyed at either John or I for discussing vaccinated, non-vaccinated players, sorry, it's kind of important specifically this week when Quez Watkins may or may not be able to play for the Eagles in their biggest game of the year so far. And yes, I know every week till we get to week 18 is going to be the biggest week of the year so far. But that's just the way it's just not a first here in 2021 where we have the biggest NFL season of all time because they added one more game. Um, but we do need <laughs> to discuss this stuff. If you are vaccinated, you are tested once a week. Correct. If you are unvaccinated, you are tested every day. That's Correct. the cold, hard fact and reality. If you've got an issue with that, if you think that's unfair, take it up with Roger Goodell. Don't take it up with Mac and Mac. We're, we're not commenting Take it up on with it. your player. By the way, if you're a player, take it up with the union because they agreed Correct. to it. They, they agreed to it. En masse, across the board, these <clears throat> protocols were put in place by the owners and the union. It wasn't something that was force-fed down their throats. The union had to agree with it. So if you're unvaccinated, you got tests every single day. All those guys who were on the bye this week, even if you wanted to get away for a day or two, traveling is tougher than it's ever been, and uh, you would have to deal with other protocols if you did leave the area, if you left the country. Um, but if you're a guy who's chosen not to be vaccinated, yeah, you got to be there. You got to go every single day. You got to go take a test every single day. And if you are vaccinated and you test positive, you can, in a fairly short period of time, be able to get back to play. You got to wait a day till after you get your positive test. Then you have to test negative two consecutive days with more than 24 hours in between. If you do, you are cleared to go right back and play. So a guy like Jonathan Allen, if he is vaccinated, which I don't know if he is or isn't, but if he is, then yes, he's got to wait today, but then he can test on Wednesday. And if he passes, he's got to wait 24 hours and then he can test again on Thursday. And if he passes, he can play by Sunday. If you are not vaccinated <laughs> and you test positive, count them, 10 days. Yeah. Mandatory 10 days out in quarantine. You're not allowed to be around your teammates. The only work you can do is Zoom. You can't do any practicing. You can't attend any meetings. Those are the rules. That's the protocols that the NFL is working with right now. Again, if you got an issue with it, bring it up with the head of the Players Union. Bring it up with Roger Goodell. Bring it up with someone other than John and myself. We're not judging if the protocols are right, wrong, indifferent, harsh, too lenient, or whatever else. We're just laying them out there for you. And you got a couple of uh, key contributors who may or may not be out of the game this week, and we won't know why. We won't know that's the case until later this week. But part of it may be because they are unvaccinated, <clears throat> and if you get a positive test at this time, you're guaranteed to be out for the next game. Yeah. And the player I was talking about who was tested yesterday is in that category. He's got to wait 10 days. Now, there are certain days, certain teams in 
what they called the intensive protocols. I think there's five teams because they've had issues. One of them is Washington. Um, and I'm not sure. Washington is one of the least vaccinated teams in the NFL. They have been all year. It's been them in Minnesota sort of juggling for the last spot there. And they're both in the intensive protocols, probably because they never reached the threshold to get out of them to begin with. So everybody's got a test. The second part is there's in that uh, there's five teams in total in intensive protocols right now. The second thing is all the coaches and all the employees that are near the players, they have to not only obviously adhere to those intensive protocols in places like Washington, um, they have to get the booster shot by December 27th because they don't have a union. (laughs) They don't have a union. So they got to get on it or, or they're not allowed to do their jobs. Uh, and be around the players and that includes every coach in this league and we saw a few coaches say I'm not doing this I'm not getting vaccinated few coaches held the hard line now you got to get a booster final month of the season Jody this is going to be interesting this is going to be interesting uh, I I just hope that it isn't a big story it's starting to yeah. lean toward being a big story. Yeah. I, I fear it's, it's going, going to be a big story. I'm sure it's heck hoping that that's not the case. And with the fact that the, the Eagles have a keep guy, and yes, that's exactly what I'm calling Quez Watkins, uh, who we don't know, won't know till Sunday whether he is going to be able to play. Well, I guess we could know uh, Saturday. Um, <clears throat> here's why it's a big deal for the Eagles. I'm trying to figure out a way how to get Jalen Rager off the field now. Uh and that's with Quez Watkins as your wide receiver two, with Rager as your wide receiver three. I want him as wide receiver four or five. Well, if Quez Watkins can't play this weekend against the Washington football team, then there's no way Jalen Rager is coming off the field because the Eagles have continued to show, yeah, they don't have faith in Greg Board. Yeah, they don't have faith in um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I'm like crossing my finger. Is this the week that John Hightower can actually be elevated from the practice squad? They've shown at least somewhat that they still have some uh, belief in his skill set because they continue to make him one of those protected practice squad guys. But will he actually be activated? And will he get a chance to play this weekend against the Washington football team? I don't know if they're going to have a choice if Quez Watkins can't go, J-Mac. No, they're not going to have a choice, and maybe that's a silver lining from this perspective, Jody. You remember Travis Fulgham's month last year. Uh, the Eagles didn't want to play him. They threw him in there, and all of a sudden he has this uh, historic month of football, which obviously didn't last. Travis, by the way, just got cut by the Miami Dolphins yesterday. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he'll be back on the practice squad. But um, – you know, they have three receivers on the practice squad. You mentioned John Hightower, Deion Kane, who, out of the blue, by the way, Nick Sirianni brought up after the Jets game. I'm like, what are you talking about Deion Kane before? So that might be some tea leaves that Deion Kane is showing them some things in practice, you know, but that's just uh, reading. I just found it strange that he would bring him up out of nowhere. Keyshawn Johnson, the other Keyshawn Johnson as well, is on the Eagles practice squad. They're going to have to bring somebody up. 
and they're going to have to give somebody an opportunity uh, at least to play that third role. You're right, Jalen Rager's going to get bumped up, which is not good, but at least you're, you're, it, whether it's Greg Ward, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, John Hightower, Deion Kane, Keyshawn Johnson, somebody's going to get an opportunity, and maybe they can do something with that opportunity. Maybe it turns out to be a silver lining. Probably not, but they're going to have to. I mean, I guess they could just run the football and play 12 and 13 as they did against the Jets. And who knows? Maybe if Jonathan Allen is not out there and the the red, uh, excuse me, almost said the swear word, um, the Washington football team uh, is just crippled to, to the degree it becomes a easy game, a Jets level game where everybody says it's just the Jets. And maybe they just run the football and they don't need that third receiver. But if it's a close game, if it's a game that we thought it would be when everybody was healthy and everybody was ready to go, they're going to need that third guy. And maybe you're forced into doing some different things and maybe you come up with something. As you say that, that maybe they can revert to uh, games that they were very successful in this year where they not only ran the ball, but pounded the rock would be the better descriptive adjective. Who's, who are they going to pound the ball with? We don't know yet how Miles Sanders is doing. Last we saw him, he was on the sidelines against the Jets, even though he had rushed 400 yards in the game. Jordan Howard who once again became a beloved figure in this town <laughs> because he had so many good runs between the tackles and is a, uh, a smash-mouth uh, runner, which Philadelphia fans seem to love, has not played in a good couple of weeks. And we don't know if he's going to be ready to go by the time we get there Sunday. We, we can certainly lay it out there verbally. That's what the Eagles going to do. Run, 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 and then run some more. We don't even know who's going to be doing the running, J-Mac, if that's the case. Well, we know Miles is going to be out there. I guess the bigger question on Miles is, is he going to finish? Uh, I mean, that's been the issue really the past two games. And and you would think the extra week helps him uh, from a perspective of, of quieting that uh, ankle down a little bit. Um, but you know he's going to play. You know he's going to go. And the question is, you know, and a lot of it is, do you know the Do you know the quarterback's going to play? Are you saying that just because the the what they reported is the severity of the injury against the Jets? Because he didn't finish the game. Now Jalen Hurts didn't start or finish the game. You seem more confident about it's a foregone oh, well, conclusion. A couple, of yeah, a couple couple reasons. Remember, Miles was playing again. He was playing against the Giants. He, then he played. I was more concerned going into the Jets game because he wasn't able to finish the Giants game. Um, the Jets game, I think it was more precautionary thing because they were ahead. They thought the game was over. They thought they'd go in a different direction. And he talked to us after the game. Typically, injured players don't talk to us after the game. And Jason Kelsey, a better example of, you know, he left. He didn't talk to us. Uh, that was more concerning to me. Miles talked to us after the game, said he was fine, said he was ready to go. So, yeah, he's going to play. But the question is, it's been two games in a row uh, where he hasn't been able to finish. So there's no doubt to me he's going to start. There's some doubt, is he going to be able to finish? And if he's not, then you need uh, Boston Scott. Remember, Boston Scott was barely played in that game, did play, but had an illness. So he should be fine, non-COVID illness. 
Uh, so he should be fine. Kenny Gainwell got more involved. So the one question mark you have is still Jordan Howard. And again, the, the extra week should help. We'll know more on Wednesday. And by the way, Jody, they are having a walkthrough. The, the oh, they are the Wednesday walkthrough? They are doing the walkthrough. Even so it's after only, a bye. What yeah. does that tell you? That they've already, they've completely changed their philosophy on it. How many days a week do you practice? Two, Thursday, Friday. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, they are having uh, they are having a walkthrough. So Wednesdays, uh, just to let everyone know, Wednesdays uh, injury report, practice report status is going to be an estimation. But even from that, we'll get a better estimation of where Jordan Howard is. If he's listed as limited, it's positive. If he's still not practicing, that's probably not a good sign. We are looking for your estimation here on Birds 365. We hope we, that you like the show. If you do, hit the like button as you stream us here. Early. On, yeah, I got it in early. <laughs> there, it reminded me. Um, share and also subscribe. Uh, that's how you tell us that Birds 365 is getting the job done. All right. Coming up next, we're going to have a little assistance getting the job done. Tommy Lawler, who's been covering the Eagles, writing about the Eagles from afar for years, as a matter of fact. He is uh, lead writer for Eagles, Eagles Blitz, I-G-G-L-E-S, Blitz.com. He's going to hop aboard with us next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank when it comes to the fight against insurance companies large corporations and the healthcare industry injured victims are always the underdog but that doesn't worry us at messon associates we're an injury law firm from philadelphia and we come to fight our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. 
call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Matt Guys here with you on Birds 365. We've got a uh, guest joining us, a new guest. Uh, we've never had him here on the show before. Looking forward to talking to him today. He's a guy who's been covering and writing about the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time. Tommy Lawler of EaglesBlitz.com jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. Tommy, thank you very much for hopping aboard. How long have you been writing about the Eagles? Well, uh, off and on since 2003. So it has been a while. It used to just be on message boards, but I've still put in the effort and the time writing about them. And now for like, like the last 10 years or so, it's been a different format. So long time. Seen a lot of uh, a lot of good and a, a little bit of bad as well. <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, you know, larger sample size, the better, Tommy. So I, I, I guess I want to start. I, I saw your piece on Jonathan Gannon, the defense, and I think, uh, that's quieted down a little bit over the past month because of everything going on with the offense and Jalen Hurts banging up his ankle, Gardner Minshew coming in. People have kind of forgotten about that defense. And if you go back to Las Vegas, man, they were up in arms about uh, Jonathan Gannon, his scheme, his uh, what he wants to get accomplished more than anything else. I think the, the debate of aggressiveness and obviously Philadelphia loves that with Jim Johnson and going back to buddy Ryan uh, versus a more passive approach with Jonathan was playing. Um, how do you think things have gone to this point? It's the 11th ranked defense in the NFL. Well, it was coming into the five week. I haven't checked the, the, the stats after this week, but um, that's pretty good. I mean, contextually, where are you on this defense, Tommy? Well, I think overall they've, they've had a, a pretty good year. And what they've done is they've had the ability to shut down mediocre and bad offenses. You know, the only quote-unquote good quarterback they've shut down would be Matt Ryan in the opener. After that, you talk about, you know, Zach Wilson with the Jets, Jared Goff with the Lions, Teddy Bridgewater with uh, the Broncos, and, uh, and then obviously uh, Sam Darnold with the Panthers. When they faced good quarterbacks, they've struggled. Even in this little hot stretch, when they faced the Chargers, they had no answer for the Chargers in that offense. You know, the Chargers didn't punt once. Uh, they still did come up with a couple of fourth down stops and at least slowed down the Chargers enough that the Chargers scored 27. And while 27 is not great, as we've seen in today's NFL, you know, you're not going to be shutting people down to, to 15 points on a regular basis. When you face a good quarterback, they're going to beat you some of the time. And the, the defense <laughs> has had some good moments. Gannon's got some good ideas. He just doesn't have the right people for this unit to play at a high level consistently right now. But they're they're playing better than people give him credit for. They're ninth in the league in yards allowed right now. Right. And I don't think people right. realize that. And uh, so there's something to work with there. But, uh, you know, the other day, uh, football outsiders had him down in the bottom 10 defenses. So when you put context on the stats, they're not ideal. 
Right. But uh, let's put it into a context just overall on your evaluation of the improvement you've seen. Uh, John threw out uh, some of those guys who were completing 80% passes in a game, three in oh, a row. Crazy. Not good. Yeah, 90 like, for Derek Carr. 90%. Yeah, Carr, Carr was 31 for 34. Yeah. I mean, if you're having seven on seven in training camp, the coach is going to be thrilled with 31 for 34. <laughs> yeah. That should never happen in a game unless you're facing – you know, Peyton Manning at a zenith and you've got a banged up unit. Well, Cannon had his starters. He had his corners. He had his defensive line. And they just played so soft and so passively. And they played passively up front and on the back. And that's the problem. You you know, he, he when you listen to his press conferences, he talks about the marriage of rush and coverage. And he's absolutely right. But if you the rush isn't getting home and the coverage is playing off, something's got to give. And in that game, nothing gave. Except for the Raiders kicker getting tired of kicking extra points. (laughs) Agreed and understood. But it has improved. It was god-awful one of the worst (laughs) in the league, as a matter of fact. Probably the worst in the league with quarterback completion percentage against them. But it has significantly gotten better. Understood the level of quarterback quality that they faced against came down a little bit. Um, But they've also just played better and gotten better results. Well, you that's what you want. You want you want a coach who can adapt, right? And and Gannon has shown that because after the Raiders game, he started blitzing more, and then after the Chargers game, he started playing more press coverage. And so, while I'm a little frustrated with the fact it's taken him this long to make those adaptions, uh, I, I, adaptations rather, I'm I'm happy that he actually has been able to change. And if he just stuck to his guns and said, "This is my system. We're not changing anything," that's a coach you got to fire. This is a coach who showed, okay, I'm going to try to do things my way. If it's not working, we will move on. We will tweak things until it does start working. So when he has made changes, they have worked. It's just been that uh, you've been a little slow to make some of those changes. But, but let me play devil's advocate, Tommy, though. Are those changes because of the decline in the quarterbacks he's been facing as opposed to the early docket of Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes? Uh, etc. You brought up Justin Herbert. Um, if they make playoffs, if they make the run, if they see another good quarterback, are we going back to what we saw early in the season? Uh, what he wanted to do. The results, you can say, maybe had something to do with the fact he's facing those quarterbacks. I think he's going to play more aggressively uh, no matter what because he's seen if he doesn't, he has no chance. You know, they didn't force Kansas City to punt once. They didn't force uh, the Chargers to punt once. Uh, you know, they struggled against Dallas. You know, Dallas ended up punting because Dallas called off the dogs. But, you know, he did what he did was not working against top quarterbacks. So he had to do something. And it, it would take a blind man not to see that the players have responded to the more aggressive approach. They play with more energy and more enthusiasm. When you watch that defense, they're fired up now. And you, you go back to the early in the season, there wasn't as, not, as much juice on the field. When you're watching those guys, they were a little bit more by the numbers. And now you see some real energy and emotion. And that's a real part of playing defense. You know, offense is about execution and timing and precision. Defense emotion plays a difference. It's a factor. And if you play out there and you're fired up and you have some, some emotion with you, you're going to be a better defensive player. On offense, emotion is somewhat irrelevant. It's about how good you are. Tommy Lola from EaglesBlitz.com, our guest here on Birds 365. Uh, let's talk about that marriage between rush and coverage. 
up front, the Eagles' numbers in sacks are pretty pitiful. They're one of the worst in the National Football League, but they have gotten some pressures. And John and I debate all the time about the pressures, and he always trots out Chris Long for me to tell me, Jody, pressures are important. Don't dismiss pressures. Look what happened in the NFC Championship game. I know. <laughs> um, but the uh, Eagles have uh, upped the pressure a little bit. Some of it, defensive tackle. We know the Hargrave got off to the great start. He's kind of leveled off. Fletcher's played better the last couple of weeks. But I still need to see more from the Eagles' defensive end. If this team's going to be able to win enough games to make the playoffs and then be competitive in that game when they get there, their defensive ends have to give them something when it comes to pressure. You got faith in any of the Eagles' defensive ends? Well, you know, I, I agree with you. The defensive line has been disappointing. I don't think there is anybody who would really disagree with that. And, uh, you know, it, when you look at Josh Sweat, he does some amazing things. There's plays there. He will fly off the edge. He'll, he'll, he'll shove the tackle right back into the quarterback's lap. But the consistency, you need somebody who can do that when it's third down, the game's on the line, and they know that that, that right tackle or left tackle knows it's a key play. And they're in their best moment. The quarterback knows it's a key play. He's in his best moment, and everybody's real focused. Josh tends to get his sacks in odd places. You know, he, he got one the other day in the middle of the second quarter, and the way he got the sack was because Anthony Hargrave uh, pushed uh, the guard back in the, to the quarterback's lap, and Will said nowhere to go, and, and so Sweat was there to finish him off. But Sweat, you know, w- when we watched him this summer, when we've seen flashes of him during the season, you see a- incredible talent, but the production doesn't match the talent yet. We're still waiting for that light to go on and for him to become a, a play-in, play-out difference maker, and that just hasn't happened. Derek Barnett frustrates us all because he has moments when he's really good, and then he has, well, he has his penalties and his issues, and uh, he gets you frustrated. The defensive tackles have been have been good most of the year. You know, Fletcher was a little quiet there for a little bit. But the light has come on for him. He's playing better. Hargrave, the sack numbers have, have leveled off, obviously. He's, he's getting a lot of attention from teams. He's still being disruptive. Like I said, that sack from Sweat the other day, Hargrave drove the uh, the left guard right yeah. back into Wilson. So that really, Sweat got the sack, but it was Hargrave who made the play. And so the defensive line is overall, if you say good or bad, it's good. But it hasn't been what we expected. Losing Brandon Graham certainly hurt him, but not this much. These guys have just not been able to play at, an, at a super high level like we thought they might. And anybody watching last night, the Rams versus the Cardinals, saw what Tommy was talking about consistency-wise from play one throughout the game, Aaron Donald. But he's he's sort of a different uh, different animal. But I digress. Tommy, I want to talk about T.J. Edwards because you, you could point a direct causal connection to him taking over as sort of the quarterback of that defense and the improvement. Eagles tried to trade him uh, in the offseason. More of a traditional linebacker, which obviously is not in vogue in the modern NFL. Everybody wants coverage, guys. And all of a sudden, it's December, and teams are running the football. And maybe it's by luck, and I think it's more by luck by design. But the Eagles may have finally found a linebacker. What have you seen uh, from T.J. Edwards? Well, they say sometimes the best trades are the ones you don't make. And obviously that would be the case in keeping Edwards. Uh, what you have with Edwards is he is kind of an old school linebacker with the ability to stack and shed where he runs up. He's able to engage a blocker, shed the blocker, 
go and get the running back. And if you're playing between the tackles, this is the guy you want on the field where he struggles a little bit. He doesn't have top speed to make those plays out on the perimeter and in the modern game with all the quick screens and the edge type plays, you have to be able to move sideline to sideline. That's where he's a little bit limited where we've seen real progress this year is he's always been an instinctive pass defender, but this year he's getting into those lanes and actually making plays. You know, he's got an interception. He had a, a, a nearly had an interception the other day. He's broken up several passes. And if you're a linebacker, you don't have to be able to chase a running back all over the field just get into the passing lanes, affect the quarterback, and he's done a good job with that. So he's brought real energy to the defense. He's a downhill player. He's got some tackles for loss. When he's able to shoot gaps and get in the backfield, he's disruptive. He's a good player. You just don't want him as your best linebacker. That, that's kind of the problem the Eagles are at right now, where he might, you can argue, he's their best linebacker. He's not that guy that you want to build around. He's the guy that you want good players around him. And then with him, with his limitations, that's not a big deal. When you put him beside Alex Singleton right now, you know, Edwards is, is the better linebacker. And that's that's not ideal because Singleton, uh, you know, he was a lot of fun last year, but he's just really struggling this year. All right, Tommy, know that uh, you like putting your scouting opinions out there with your scoutsnotebook.com uh, site, and you're giving us some good scouting here. I need you to do it for another Eagle defender. <clears throat> the last game, um, Eagles against the Jets, Rodney McLeod played less snaps percentage-wise than he ever has as a Philadelphia Eagle, which is five-plus years at this stage. Uh don't was there was no report after the game that was injury related. It was just the fact that the Eagles coaching staff thought that Harris and uh, Marcus Epps were more suited to make big stops in that jet game. Rodney McLeod hasn't sat on the bench near as much as he did this past week against the Jets. Is it that obvious from a scout side view? Is he not as quick as he used to be? Is he not getting to the ball? Is he not finishing tackles? What are you seeing out of Rodney McLeod that says, yeah, age is finally catching up with the Eagles safe? Yeah, it, it, he, he's not the guy he was. I mean, he tore his ACL last December, right? So, you know, he's he's able to play this year. But when you're his age and you're coming off an ACL tear, that stuff <laughs> catches up to you. It's going to have a, a cumulative effect. And he's had, you know, some injuries over his career. The guy that he is now is just not the guy that he was when the Eagles won a Super Bowl, and that guy could make plays all over the field. And, you know, you're just – you tr trust your eyes simply. He doesn't make plays, you know. He's an effort player right now. I, In my mind, he would be ideal to be a box safety for a team that liked to go and have an eighth man around the line of scrimmage a lot. I don't think this is a guy that you want back because he doesn't cover as much ground as he used to. And the other thing is he just – he's not as uh, much of a playmaker when he's back away from the football. Uh, he's got to attack downhill when the, when the play does come his way. And uh, there was a play, I guess, right down by the goal line. I can't remember if it was the, maybe the second touchdown, maybe the first or second touchdown. He had a chance to hit somebody by the goal line and, and keep them out of the end zone and wasn't able to do it. And he's always been a little undersized at, you know, five foot nine, five foot 10, 190, 195 pounds. But he used to be able to hit hard enough and bring enough power that he could make those plays. And now you're just not seeing that guy. So it's unfortunate. He's been a terrific player for the Eagles for quite a while. He's a, a great off the field, a good leader, everything you'd want, but age, you know, father time's undefeated. And it looks like father time is, is getting the best of Rodney McLeod. Yeah. Still can't get Tom Brady though. 
Tom, uh, Tom. Father Tom. <laughs> Eventually, it just may be in his 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be the MVP at 44, which is amazing. But uh, all right, let's. Uh, I want to talk about Darius Slay because, uh, you know, interesting. We talked about early season, not enough press coverage, uh, things improving. But Darius, man, he's been great throughout this season. He's been one of the best cornerbacks in football. I would argue, Tommy, he has been the best football player on the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2021 season. Am I right? And when is the last time you saw a corner like this in Philadelphia? He's been the best defensive player this year. I would agree with that. Uh, Offensively or overall, I don't know. Well, you'd have to think about him and Jason Kelsey might be the two top guys or Lane Johnson. Although Lane did obviously miss that time, but uh, yeah, he's he's right up there. And and this year he has been outstanding because he's he's been able to cover people. He's also been a playmaker, and that's what you want when you're a top shelf corner. Not only are you able to shut people down, but you're able to make some plays. And we've seen that with the interceptions, the fumble returns, scoring multiple touchdowns. So he's been he's finally lived up to that name of big play slay. And in terms of the the last time we had an Eagles corner playing at this level, uh, you know. I don't you might be going back to Asante Samuel in two, or, uh, yeah, 2008. Uh, it's been a while, you know, cause they have just, you know, back in the old days when we had Eric Allen, uh, Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, Al Harris, we were kind of spoiled. Then you went into Lido and, and Sheldon and uh, things have just not been great the last decade. So he doesn't have a lot of competition, but, but Darius is playing at a high level. I want to ask you about a philosophical question with the Eagles and understood You've been uh, watching the Eagles and root for the Eagles since the Buddy Ryan days straight up till today. So there have been a lot of different um, power bases and guys in charge and those making the decisions. And there are just some things that seem to stay with the Eagles, no matter who's owning them, general managing, coaching them, whatever. They do put a big emphasis on playmaking linebackers. And the other one that kind of bugs me is, they're not really a team that puts an extra value on a guy who makes plays just catching the football. They, the possession wide receiver, that's never been a staple of the Philadelphia Eagles. And it sure as hell isn't this year. They continue to try Jalen Rager out there. Why? Because they used the first round draft pick on him. Why? Because he was a superior athlete, but he doesn't catch the football. That's a problem with wide receiver. We saw what Cooper cup did last night. Again, he's the best receiver in the National Football League this year by far. He was a third-round pick. Why? Because he wasn't all that athletic coming out of college. He set the all-time record for most receptions uh, on the lower level. But, yeah, we'll let him go to the third round because he doesn't run fast, doesn't jump high. Are the Eagles ever going to break down and say, can we just get ourselves a catch machine a guy who all he does is catch the ball. All right, he's not going to get behind the defense. He's not going to have 40-yard touchdowns. But a guy who's just going to make the play and move the chains, are the Eagles ever going to get themselves one of uh, those type players? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it would be interesting to see. I mean, you know, they had uh, Jason Avant, you know, uh, 10 years ago, and Avant was a guy that was a, a slot receiver, great hands, great route runner, but he wasn't a volume receiver. You know, because they had uh, Macklin and Deshaun Jackson, you know, Avant was a guy that could catch 40 to 50 passes and, and just move the chains when necessary. The other guys were the, the players you fed the football to. The Eagles have not had a guy who was a slot receiver, 
uh, route runner, great hands, volume receiver type that never have that I can think of. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they ever pursue that. When you look at the receivers that Sirianni was involved with in San Diego and Indianapolis, there's not really somebody like that in his history that I'm aware of. So I would say if that's what you're looking for, probably not going to happen. But Sirianni was involved with, with some good receiving groups. And one of the things that he did at both stops was they had a variety of receivers. So it wasn't built around one superstar. They tried to have five guys that could all contribute. And right now that's one of the problems they have is the, the role players, you know, Greg Ward, uh, Ortega Whiteside, they're not really doing much in the way of contributing. You know, they each have two catches on the year. You don't want your number four and five receivers to have two catches each. That's not good. Now, the Eagles do have a run offense, but still, uh, Ward's had some some costly drops, and Ortega Whiteside just doesn't give us much. So there's a definite need for the receiving uh, group to be uh, worked on. They've got to have some upgrades, and I don't know if Rager's going to be part of that or not. He's uh, He's been a massive disappointment. There's no two ways about that. Tommy, uh, I went defense heavy with you, so I buried the lead. I got to get everybody's thought process on the quarterback situation in Philadelphia, obviously. And I want it from two perspectives. I want your thoughts on Jalen Hurts in the short term this year, his improvement, uh, what you've seen from him. In the long-term perspective, more of the Howie Roseman outlook, do the Eagles want to play this style of offense long-term? Would they accept this type of offense? Would they build around this type of player long-term? So both the micro and sort of the macro view of Jalen Hurts and where the Eagles are with Jalen Hurts. With Hurts, you know, if you go back to October, he had not shown much progress at all from his rookie year. And uh, it gets a little tiring to hear the coaches talk about, well, he hasn't made 16 starts. So it's like, he's still in his rookie year. Now that that's a, that's garbage. When you play, when you're in the NFL for a year, you experience a lot of things, whether you're on the field or not, you're, he's in his second season. He has to be judged as a second season quarterback. And he didn't show progress from last December to this October. He just, it was minimal progress. And that made it really frustrating. Cause you're like, this guy, it's something's not clicking. And then all of a sudden in the Lions game, he started doing some different things. And since then, we've seen real progress every week where there was a point in October where he led the NFL and throws out of bounds. So we all knew, get pressure on him. He's going to scramble to his right. If he doesn't find somebody, he's going to throw the ball five rows deep. That's just not something you can sustain over the long term. You want to be able to throw the ball away. But when you're leading the league in throwaways and you're not a volume passer throwing 40 passes a game, that's not a good sign. That's a guy who's given up on plays and just bailing. And so now you're seeing him really work to stay in the pocket. He's not just bailing at the first sign of pressure. He's not feeling phantom pressure as much. He's legitimately trying to wait in there, and, and you're seeing progress from him. Is it enough progress? Well, that's that's really the tricky question. Uh, the Giants game, boy, I tell you what, that was a major step back. Let's just hope that was an anomaly because – he hadn't, we hadn't seen that version of Jalen Hurts at all this year. So I tend to think that was just him having a bad game. Uh, I think he's shown enough that you want to look into keeping him around for at least another year, unless you have a chance to definitively upgrade the position. And so if you sit there and you say, we absolutely believe in Russell Wilson or you know, it sounded like Rodgers might be staying in Green Bay. Or, and obviously, we don't know what's going to go on with Deshaun Watson. So unless you have a chance to definitively upgrade him, 
don't make a change for the sake of making a change. And I think he's shown you enough. You say, all right, maybe we could keep this guy. When you talk about his style, that is something that is not sustainable long-term. Jeffrey Lurie and the Eagles are an analytics-driven organization. They know that throwing the ball is key. Now, that's not to say you can't run for a year or even two to develop the overall offense, to develop your skills, and and grow from that. If you go back to, to the year 2000, Donovan McNabb's second season, the Eagles' passing offense was not a pretty thing. They just didn't have good receivers. You know, you were, you were looking at Torrance Small and Charles Johnson as your, your key targets. Those, they don't put the fear in anybody's heart. <laughs> and Donovan was not a, a, a great passer. And so he would run around and make plays. I think he finished second in NFL and MVP voting that year because he just made plays and it was enough. They fed the ball to whoever they had a running back. Deuce got injured that year. So they had a, a variety of guys they, they tried to create an offense with. They'd mix in Brian Mitchell various things and the offense was good enough to help the Eagles win games but it wasn't a good offense the next year all of a sudden they bring in some different receivers they show a little bit of progress they get a little bit better they're learning the West Coast offense by 2002 they had a legitimate passing offense that could throw the ball on anybody and then by 2004 obviously Donovan and the Eagles were a flat-out passing team so the team that you saw in 2000 got a little bit better and went from running the football to passing a little bit more than being good at passing. So there was a, there was a real, you know, a development there. And I think that same type thing could happen with Jalen Hurts. Now Donovan was a more skilled passer than Jalen coming out of college, but, but uh, you can still look at Jalen and see the potential is there. You know, he just doesn't have anything special about him. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the throw that Justin Herbert had the other day. Oh yeah. You know, that was just a, you watch that and you say, Jalen Hurts will never do that. You know, he no, would need no. a hurricane and a lightning right. bolt to pull that off. Right. And, but uh, he's J- just Jalen gonna... Hurts isn't going to do that, but nor is about 30 out yeah. of the other 30. <laughs> so right, I'm not going to hold that against Jalen all that much. <laughs> no, I don't mean it to, against Jalen specifically, but the point is, you know, every team in theory would love to have a quarterback that's yeah. physically special like that. That's what Agreed. you want as a quarterback that's physically special. And Jalen's not physically special. He's he's normal, right? He's a good runner, and he's got to develop his passing skills. Can he develop his passing skills to a level where he can move the ball in a good defense in a crucial game or in the playoffs? And I don't know right now that I see a guy that's going to be winning a Super Bowl in the future. But, again, we're, we're in year two of his development. And in year two of Donovan's development, I don't know that I saw him as a guy that was going to be winning Super Bowls. He never did, but he got the Eagles to a Super Bowl. But that, you know, you're looking for signs. And we have seen development from Hertz in the last six weeks. We have seen progress. So if you get him some better receivers, get him some more experience, then I think this is a guy who can continue to trend in the right direction. I just don't know. I If I'm looking at him right now and you say, am I betting my mortgage on a guy? No, I'm not. You know, but am I sitting there saying there's a definitely a better player in the draft? I don't know. There's there's none of the kids in the draft that I love. And obviously, as we talk about the guys in the NFL, Russell Wilson, watch a Seahawks game. He takes a beating every week. That guy is in his mid 30s. And I mean, uh, Russell Wilson has driven me crazy for a decade now. So I usually don't have any sympathy. I feel legitimately bad for him because the man has taken a pounding. Uh, Watson, (laughs) I don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole. And then, you know, Rodgers, it sounds like he's going to be leaving Green Mesa. Who are you going to find in the NFL that's going to upgrade over Jalen Hurts? You know, it you, is to, to be determined. All right, Tommy, exactly. uh, for those, those who didn't pick up on it, that was the 
Todd Pinkston dance I did there for <laughs> the reference. So he took us back to uh, the early 2000s. Um, all right, let's uh, get you on record. Four games to go. If the Eagles win all four, they're basically a lock to make the playoffs. If they win three out of four, they're in pretty good shape. If they win two out of four, it'll fall to the tie-breaking gods, which you never like to be in that situation going into the last week of the season. We've seen what we've seen to this point. Eagles' last four games are going to be good enough to make the playoffs? I'm predicting they go 3-1, and one, finish the season in 9-8, and eight, and, I, you know, playoffs, are that so many things go into that. I'll go ahead and predict yes, because it feels like one of those weird years. And, you know, now here's the thing. You can question for the long-term health of the organization if that's actually what you want. Would you maybe yeah. not rather go 7-10, and 10, get a little bit better draft pick, and, you know, get ready for the future? Because this team isn't winning a Super Bowl unless there's a – you know, a bunch of plane accidents. I mean, there's just this group isn't good enough to go beat the best just, teams right now. You just got to get the right COVID positive on the right <laughs> week. There you go. But the uh, but there is value in playing in important games, and I, I really I believe that being in a playoff game or at least competing for playoff spots can have value down the road. I don't think the group in 2017 wins the Super Bowl if they don't play in that playoff game in 2013. You know, they played the Saints, and, and you had Foles was in that game, Kelsey, Cox, Graham, on down the line. A bunch of key players from the Super Bowl were in that wild card game in 2013, and they felt the pressure, what the playoffs are like. And I think that even four years later had value and helped them in that Super Bowl run. So if this team can get into the playoffs, it, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they can if they can experience what playoff football is like where every play – you might move closer to the end of your season and there's a true pressure that you just don't know from the regular season. Uh, there's value in that down the road. So I'd love to see him get in, even knowing that it's going to be a short ride, but Hey, let's get in. Let's see what happens. Tommy, for uh, those who enjoyed your contribution with us here today, I being one of them, uh, they got to hear your opinions. If they want to see your opinions, read your opinions, tell everybody where they can get them these days. Yeah, so go to EaglesBlitz.com. That's where I try to write on a, a regular basis about the Eagles and uh, and the <clears throat> hopeful playoff uh, attack here the last month. And then once we get to the offseason, we're talking about free agency in the draft. And I'm on Twitter, at LawlerNFL. So uh, come check out the stuff, and uh, hopefully occasionally there'll be something interesting or entertaining for you. Tommy, good stuff. We'll get you back on uh, before the season ends, hopefully for an Eagle playoff run. Thanks for hopping on with us today. We'll talk to you down the road. My pleasure, guys. Tommy Lawler, a North Carolinian who just fell in love with the Philadelphia Eagles when Buddy Ryan was the head coach, has been following him a long time, decided he was going to make a stand and try and get a gig here. He wrote for PhiladelphiaEagles.com for a period of time. And it's had an Eagles like our buddy Les Bowen, a North Carolinian, a North Carolinian. Sorry. How do you think I got Tommy's number? Wow, there we go. It was through Les. So Les got me his number so I could reach out. And I figured we'd punch him up because, yeah, I've been checking out his works on EaglesBlitz.com and have been pretty impressed with it. I said, let's see if we can get this guy up on a show. Glad we did. I thought he was real good with us today. Appreciate your tuning in to Birds 365. If you are enjoying it, you enjoyed Tommy, you enjoyed Johnny Mac, you put up with me, well, <laughs> then the least you can do is like us, right? Hit that like button. Feel free to share the show. Feel free to subscribe. If you're not a subscriber yet, we love all our subscribers. Do so here uh, on Birds 365. All right, Mac and Mac coming back 
We'll tell you who the guest is. Another opinionated fellow for hour number two here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birch 365. We're almost through the bye week. Not there yet, because the Eagles will not return as a unit to get together to prep for the game against the Washington football team on Sunday until tomorrow, which John, uh, excuse me, John McClain, uh, my buddy, uh, my partner and fellow Mac man here, I wish uh, Mr. McMullen said no practice Wednesday, a walkthrough Wednesday. Well, there's a practice. A walkthrough is a practice, Jody. I'm just no, saying it's, not, it's, it's not, a walkthrough. No, it's a walkthrough. There's practice and then there's walkthroughs. They're they're different things. Uh, all right, fine. You we're splitting uh, 
definition here. It's here. Uh, but it's going to be as laid back a practice as you can have uh, with a walkthrough version. And I want to get uh, mad about it. I want to be ticked off about it. I want to say, what the hell are they doing about it? But as we come to the last four games of the season, which means we've got a quarter of the season left. Oh, no. Actually, we've got less than a quarter of the season left because we got 17 games, which throws everything <sighs> off with both McMullen and I complain about. Um, they've done a nice job, uh, whether it's the uh, front office staff or the medical staff, or the combination of the two and the coaching staff. If you evaluate the Philadelphia Eagles and you went through this with all 31 other teams in the National Football League and you just denoted games of injuries missed, I think the Philadelphia Eagles would be in good stead in the league. I think they'd be in the bottom third of guys. Now, you're going to have a bunch of practice squad guys hurt and all your star players healthy, and you can go, well, look how many injuries we had. Well, yeah, you had no injuries of significance. So there's some serious work you really need to put into it to say whether a team was or wasn't hurt or handicapped by injuries during the year. Eagles being an example that they've been without their two starting guards all year long. That's pretty significant. But if you're just talking about mass number of injuries, I think the Eagles have actually done a pretty good job of keeping that number limited this year. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. And maybe it was just time. I, I, you know, people and much smarter people than me do the studies. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about soft tissue injuries in Philadelphia in the Doug Peterson era and they, Fired the training staff and the medical staff. They turned it over, which had nothing to do with uh, injuries, by the way. Um, after the Super Bowl, by the way, they fired them. Um, it, that's Boy, we could do it for Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For our show on that, Jody. Um, you, you brought up something there. But, um, I look, I, you know, people hate the term luck. Uh, and luck plays a part in it. It really Agreed. does when it comes to injuries. And sometimes um, you're you're you really hit hard, and that has happened. And sometimes it's it's easier. And this has been an easier year uh, for the Eagles as a whole. Again, when you put in, you're always going to have injuries playing football. Yeah, uh, there's a a certain amount that you understand are going to happen. And the Eagles have suffered some significant ones, uh, starting with what you just said, losing both starting guards who are good players on this team. Uh, and they've been able to overcome it. But compared to years past, recent years past, this has been a cakewalk from an injury standpoint with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. Uh, speaking of those injured starting guards, um, our guy, and yes, I'll lay partial claim to him, but he's more your guy than my guy, but he is kind of our guy, uh, game day Kratz. Ed Kratz told us here on Friday, he believes that we may see the return of Brandon Brooks this week. 
Can they yeah. get him up to speed with three practices, one of which is a walkthrough? Um, he hasn't practiced with the team. You have noted, rightfully so, that the Eagles have stayed a little mum on the progress on the injury of the Eagles' right tackle, that while they've been forthcoming with several other players, Brandon Brooks, it's kind of been the coach going, yeah, we're not talking about Brandon yet. Yeah, 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 no update on Brandon. We'll not talk about Brandon until after yeah. the bye week. Well, we're after the bye week now. And Ed Kratz, for his reasons, believes that we're going to have a return of a key player to the Eagles' offensive line. And, oh, by the way, Nate Herbig, uh, nice guy, solid in that he can move from position to position. Still got to work on that snapping, uh, uh, Nate. Um, if <clears throat> if he's ready to go, you're plugging him right back in this week against Washington, are you not, John? Um, well, yeah, but there is no chance, and you know what, I could play Vince McMahon's theme song, Jody, which is no chance in hell that you're going to see Brandon Brooks this week. Oh, you're, um, you're telling me Kratz is a lousy reporter? Is that what you're saying out loud, McMullen? No. Number one, Ed didn't report that, so I got to defend him there. He was just given his thought process. Ed is more optimistic than me. He didn't report Brandon Brooks is going to be back. He said, I think Brandon Brooks I will be think back is, for the Washington yes, game. Yes, that is not a report. He was he was giving his thought process, and that tends to be much more optimistic. And by the way, I hope Ed, Ed is right. Um, I The best case scenario is that Nick Sirianni shows up Wednesday morning and says, uh, we're going to start uh, the ramp-up period. For Brandon Brooks, that's the best case scenario. Three, three have, days, not enough of a ramp up period. Is no, that what you're telling me? No, you got 21 days to make a decision. That's the best case scenario. Remember when he was coming back last year, he was getting ready for the playoffs at the Eagles. He, he had come back to practice. He's been out for a long time. He's not just going to show up on Sunday and play. Um, Without and remember, they're having a walk. <laughs> they're not even having a real practice on Wednesday. Hey, you just you told know. me it was a practice. Now I'm it's saying, not a real practice. Well, they consider it a practice. How's that? They consider go. it a practice. Uh, but it's not, you know, it's it's a mental practice more than a physical practice. How's that? Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, there's there's I would put if you want to throw percentages on there because you never you like to leave the door open. I'm going to go one percent, Brandon Brooks on on Sunday. That as, as I said, what you want to see is some definitive information, and you want to see Nick Sirianni step up and say Brandon's going to start practicing and try to get ready. I think that's the best case scenario for what can happen this week. And I don't even know if we're going to see that. But Nick has kicked the can down the road. Nick boxed himself in. He said, I'm going to have more information. Well, you better have more information uh, after the box. We shall see. Uh, first time the coach gets in front of the media when the Eagles return this week. All right. One other thing I want to follow up, and I brought it up with Tommy. want to get into it with you. And it is a pet peeve of mine, I readily admit. Part of it is they have someone – and I'll admit he's a lesser level player of the type of player I'm discussing. That would be Greg Ward. 
Um, I think the Eagles have continued to demean his value and lessen his value. But I have I don't think no problems I think. with a guy who just catches the football. That oh, he's not athletic. He's not running a four two four forty. He doesn't have a thirty eight vertical leap. But when you put him out there on the field, you throw him the ball, he catches it. That's kind of a key to me. And yes, the Rams have one who's better than just your basic possession receiver. I'm not going to put Cooper Cup in that group. But when he was drafted, that's what the discussion was all about. Cooper Cup could be a really nice possession receiver. Oh, he's the best receiver in the National Football League. And oh, by the way, he ran a 4-5 and changed 40 at the Combine. His vertical was only 31. So the analytics would have told you to stay away from a guy like Cooper Cup. Well, there's other analytics, which is the amount of catches he had at Eastern Washington, where he rewrote the record book in college football with as many grabs as he had. I need the Eagles to get me a guy like that. I want a Hunter Renfro here in town. And yeah, I know. Another guy who fell because of his body and his inability, uh, you know. That, that Look, there's no question that this league relies too much on – I was talking about it with Micah Parsons, a top-tier pick. You know, he had short arms, so he can't be an edge rusher. Oh, really? Look at Aaron Donald. You know, Aaron Donald might be my biggest uh, hit. I called him the best player in the draft uh, before the draft. Really? And, yeah. And – you know, people didn't like him because he was too short and this and that. I wasn't mean, big enough. He, he yeah. 285. You can't play tackle in the NFL at 285, yeah. 290. You got to be 335. Oh, except he's the best player in the league. Yeah. And, you know, the size issues didn't knock him down that far. I mean, he was still, I think, 11th or 12th, whatever it ended up being. Um, still, same range as Parsons. Uh, the, the arm length didn't knock him down that far, but well, but it, and let's. Uh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I remember that draft like it was yesterday. He was actually a little bit of a surprise where he drafted, yeah, maybe not bit. for John McMullen, who yeah. said he thought he was the best yeah, player in the draft, but most mocks had him going late teens, early yeah, because, 20s uh, because of the size and everything. The Rams was were that smart size. to go size schmize. We think he's going to be a great player. We'll take him right here. There were a whole bunch of teams. And again, well, you never know. The The draft is all about projection and what people think, what people say after the fact. And they, you never know unless you've got a chance to grab the player and you pass on him as to how you actually felt about him. I remember, uh, and guys I trust, my Rick Saratella's, Mel Kuyper's of the world, a lot of them had him go in the early 20s, as a matter of fact. And some questioned the way, how did they take such a small defensive tackle at number 11 in the draft? Well, the Rams have been reaping the benefits ever since. Yeah, the, the 13 is where he, I just okay. looked it up. He went 13. You're right. I think most people had him early 20s, maybe late teens, if I recall. Uh, and everything was based on size because nobody nobody criticized his ability uh on the field but you know he's six foot one he's short uh, i think he was listed at 280 at the time so very undersized but again you know part of it is i got to cover john randall all those years so that's kind of what i saw i saw that type of player um and i saw that guy wrecked games for years. And I said, 
if you can't block somebody in the interior, it's going to be an issue. Um, and that's the way it's turned out. And I, I, you know, I, we're going down this Aaron Donald tangent because I'm watching him last night. And we were just talking about Trevon Diggs and Micah Parsons splitting defensive player of the year boats. And Miles Garrett's probably going to win it. Um, Aaron Donald should win it. Aaron Donald should win it every year. He's sort of like the player version of Bill Belichick when we talk about coach of the year. Okay, who's going to win coach of the year? Is it going to be Cliff Kingsbury? It's always Belichick, nine times out of ten. But nobody wants to give him the, the award because it's boring. And that's sort of where we are with defensive player of the year with Aaron Donald. And, yeah, he's a perfect example. Cooper Cup's a perfect example that you mentioned. Uh, Micah Parsons this year, a little bit. You know, obviously those guys didn't fall. There's so many undrafted guys. That's what John Randall was. I mean, um, that turned into players. Uh, so they miss. There, There's no question they miss. But I've seen enough of Greg Ward. The Eagles haven't missed. The Eagles have paid him a lot of money. He transitioned uh, from quarterback, and he was a good quarterback at Houston uh, in college. And he's he's should be lauded for, for his career. But I don't think they're missing on somebody on their roster and that this guy's a secret star. That's where – and I don't think you think he's a star, but – I, I don't even think he should be a contributor on this team what doesn't have wide receivers. And he here's wouldn't be all, on most NFL teams. Here's all I'm saying. B-T-R. Better than Rager. That's all I'm saying. I'm not putting him on a pedestal. I'm not saying, oh, my God, the Eagles are screwing this up. Better than Rager. That's all I'm going to say about Greg Ward right now. But let me take you to a, a different name for potential future Eagles receptions guy who was probably drafted later than he should have been. Um, I loved him in college and uh, guys who I trusted with their scattering reports, talked them up a blue streak. So I, I talked them up uh, leading into the draft as well. Second round pick guy who, who dropped down a little bit. Uh, why? Because he's five foot 11 and the NFL likes your six, two, six, three wide receivers. And he's not that made a couple of big plays last night. That's Christian Kirk of the Arizona Cardinals, who was a second round pick. I think he went somewhere in the high forties or thereabout out of Texas A&M. Uh, made a couple of big plays last night, not high volume because they've got other wide receivers. They got spread the ball out there in Arizona, but he is a bit of a big play guy. He's already got 700 yards this year, which will be his career high. Um, he just gets a little bit better each and every single year. He's now four years in the league, which means he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Should the Eagles have interest in a guy like Christian Kirk, who is a possession slash slot slash all he does is make catches type of receiver who's a little undersized and some of the analytics don't line up exactly the way they're supposed to. I'm hoping that's a guy the Eagles are looking at. Do you think we've got a shot here? Well, they need a veteran receiver, as I said. I don't know where he is as far as uh, Arizona, as far as what they're thinking, the process is. Remember, you know, I talk about this all the time. That's a pretty stinking explosive offense. And that's uh, if you're a skilled position player, 
that's the type of offense you you're going to want to be in. Um, and again, the Eagles are not playing that type of offense right now. So you have not only do you have to convince the guy to come here money wise, contract wise, um, you also have to battle that. And that's where the Eagles are up against it right now. That could change very quickly depending on decisions. But, you know, guys like that are going to have options. Um, and receivers tend to be smart enough to go where they know they're going to get the football pretty consistently. Um, that's, I think, the biggest hurdle. And I've said that about all the guys. We've been talking about guys and Michael Gallup, who I think would be perfect, um, you know, because you take away from in a division rival. And it's a really good player who I think has a chance to even further develop with a bigger role because obviously he's stuck behind Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb in Dallas. Um, that's the perfect guy you're looking for in free agency. But why is he coming here? Why is he coming here at this particular time? Now, you know, we talked to Tommy about the Deshaun Watsons and the Russell Wilsons. I'm not even going to bring up Aaron Rodgers because he's not coming here. Um, you know, if all of a sudden they're here, they're in play for all these guys, Jody. But yeah, I but- don't think they're in play if if they're moving forward in the same direction. We're going to be a run-heavy team. I, 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 agents are smart enough to steer their their clients in 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 different directions to set them up for bigger deals down the road. Along the lines of your theory, why did Corey Davis sign with the Jets this offseason? Um, well, Corey is, you know, maybe that's the type of player you're looking at. Very talented kid, but he wasn't, you know, a, a spectacular uh, receiver. And, you know, again, it's all about um, options. How many options did he have? He didn't have other options. You got to go play somewhere and you generally go who's going to pay you the most money at so that, that point. That Thank you. That's the point I'm trying to make. Maybe the Eagles are actually going to have to a boost and well, they would definitely have to overpay. They would definitely have to overpay, which again is not uh, a typical Howie Roseman tact. And I'm not sure you want it to become a typical Howie Roseman way of doing business, except for um, Alshon, except for Alshon Jeffries. Well, no, he's ready, he willing, actually, and able to overpay. No, he actually underpaid drastically. For all Sean Jeffrey on the first contract. He no, I'm talking, I'm talking year... about the second contract. No, the second contract, he tends to overpay his guys and guy who was in the building, help you win a Super Bowl. The first contract, well, Alshon took less money to come to Philadelphia to play with Carson Wentz, which I think is ironic because of how things uh, fleshed out and those two weren't exactly on the same page when it ended. So it was ironic that he took less years and less money to go play for Carson Wentz and bet on himself. And he bet on himself and he, how he bought into it and gave him the big deal. But the original deal, that was as cost friendly right. as it gets. Oh, no. I, I, I know. I understand. I agree. Uh, they got him uh, less expensive, but the a contract. Uh, yeah. You can differentiate between a first deal with a guy and a second deal with a guy that does change the optics and the dynamics a little bit, but he did get overpaid. So I, the point I was talking about was Howie Roseman not afraid to overpay for a wide receiver if the situation fits. Well, here's the situation as far as I'm concerned. 
you got Devontae Smith. You're going to have him for three more years on a relatively inexpensive uh, rookie contract. And what else do you have at wide receiver? Not a Jalen Hurts. Quez Watkins. No, let me not this Quez. Quez solid, uh, maybe even overachieving day three pick, <clears throat> two more years to go on his rookie deal. And and Quez makes a play every once in a while. Uh, Quez isn't at zero. Jalen Rager, zero. Greg Ward, according to Eagles, zero. Jay Jaw, way to block, big guy. That's what you want to use a second-round draft pick on, a blocking wide receiver. They have a need. And if they have to overpay for wide receiver via free agency, I think Howie Roseman's got to do it. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. We're going to add to the mix. Coming up next, one of our faves. I think he's only been on – have we had Marcus on twice or, or just once? At least twice. I think so. At least so. twice. Might We've be three times. Marcus on a couple of times. Uh, one of the more opinionated Eagle writers here in town, Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Daily News, philly.com. Philly Inquirer us. now. It's all Philly Inquirer. Yeah, there's no, there's no such thing as a daily news anymore. Eh? Yeah, choir.com. It's I all flushed. All right, now that you're still writing for a living, in addition to having to put up with me, um, when was the last time you bought a newspaper? Oh God, I'm, I'm part of the problem. I can't even remember, Joey. I can't even. Remember. It's been years, no. years since I actually walked into a Wawa or whatever. No. I said. Damn, it's sitting right there. Let me grab it. Let me take it. No. no. Everybody reads online. Nobody buys a newspaper anymore. Uh, so we're glad to, through another medium, we call it YouTube, which, oh, by the way, if you're watching Birds 365 right now, like us, share us, subscribe to us. Uh, do it now before Marcus Hayes comes on. No, I'm just kidding. No, we love Marcus. and We'll get his very opinionated stance on the Philadelphia Eagles next here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac guys here. John McClellan, Jody McDonald. I'm Birds 365 on the return to work week for the Philadelphia Eagles after their bye. Uh, joining us is one of our favorites. If we can get his uh, phone to uh, go straight up and down there. He's out there on the roads, but he's good enough to yeah. board with us uh, here on Birds 365, Marcus Hayes. How are you, Marcus? I'm busy. Busy, busy, busy. I'm sorry I'm having to broadcast from the vehicle today. It's not in motion, just so you know. And uh, I, uh, But I have a couple of appointments. I have to. Tuesdays are usually pretty busy for me because the NFL shuts down on Tuesday, which means I have to do everything yeah. on Tuesday. So this was a, uh, this was a unavoidable conflict. So but I'm glad right, to be well, on. Right. Thank you for having me. So I love you. that we got you, Marcus. Coffee and cars with Marcus Hayes. I think that's a featured Netflix. <laughs> that's show. right. Um, just give he's me a heads a, up if you got to go into your appointment, by the way. We're doing this on the fly. So I did right. want to get you on because obviously you, you're very opinionated. I love that. I love people who uh, are willing to go on record with their thoughts. And obviously sometimes those thoughts aren't the most popular. And you know, Eagles fans are a very passionate group. So your latest at Inquirer.com, you know, kind of talks about Eagles GM Howie Roseman, coach Nick Sirianni. They've done okay. Um, uh, and they have the Eagles in good shape at the bye, despite the quarterback of this football team, Jalen Hurts. Kind of kind of take us through that thought process. Well, you know, it, it, the the – the biggest, I guess, topic of conversation with the Eagles during the bye week is how bad their third receiver is, which to me is uh, typical Philadelphia because you've got a team that most people consider to be a playoff fantasy team. There's no way they'd get there. They're on the cusp of the playoffs. They're a game below 500. They are that with a rookie coach and essentially a rookie quarterback. And because Jalen Rager dropped two passes late in a game that Jalen Hurts had already lost, people are upset for two weeks coming off a, coming off a win, mainly because they're angry that Howie Roseman exists. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, it's, and I'm no Howie apologist or supporter. I've been as critical of Howie as anybody. And I believe that Howie's the reason they are where they are because Howie and Jeffrey, after they won the Super Bowl, took more control and didn't give Doug Peterson the kind of control you need as a yes. head coach. I thought so, they deserved the credit. Exactly. So that's as critical as you can be. If you lose your Super Bowl head coach and the team goes downhill because of the way you do business, that's that's as critical as you can be. That said, you know, you look at a guy like Andre Dillard, who, you know, this uh, a year ago or even, say, four months ago, we considered to be a bust. Andre Dillard played pretty well in relief of Jordan Mailata two years into his career. I guess this is the third year of his career. That's great. You know, you got a late first round left tackle who can function as a starting left tackle in the NFL. He's no longer a bust. He's a backup because Mailata is transcendent. He's, he's a, he's a, you know, a, a unicorn, but it, it forgives some of the issues with Howie Roseman. Now, I don't know that Howie Roseman, will, uh, it, it's difficult as it seemed for Howie Roseman to live down J.J. Arthago-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. It will be even more difficult for Howie Roseman to live down Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. I, I wrote, actually wrote a column uh, for tomorrow about uh, Micah Parsons. Now, yeah. the, 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 the dialogue in Philadelphia is if Howie had drafted Justin Jefferson instead of Jalen Rigger, he would not have had to draft Devontae Smith and could have drafted Micah Parsons the, the subsequent year. Well, number one, you guys know the Eagles haven't drafted a linebacker no. in the first round since 79. And I think they've drafted five in the second round since Lurie's on the team, all of whom have been disappointments. That said, they're never going to draft a linebacker in the first round. The other thing is, if you exit last year with Justin Jefferson as your only wide receiver, there's a very good chance they're going to draft a second wide receiver to pair with him. I would say if Justin Jefferson has shown you that he could be a difference maker, he needs somebody to be in tandem with. Now, all that said, um, Howie Roseman also did acquire Jordan Mailata to be coached by Jeff Stoutland, who he retained after firing Doug Peterson as the offensive line coach. Also drafted Landon Dickerson, who's playing very well at left guard. Also drafted Jack Driscoll last year in the fourth round, who, before he got hurt again, was playing very well at right guard. So it's very difficult to ignore the fact that, number one, the team is relevant. Number two, they might not be a winning team, but they're closer to being a winning team than most people thought. And number three, it's because of the draft picks. And despite Jalen Hurts, who can't function in a normal pro offense, but that's okay because they got a win from Gardner Minshew, for whom Howie Roseman traded at the end of training camp for a sixth-round pick and got rid of Joe Flacco. So the, they are where they are, for better or worse. You know, It's not like they're on top of the division, but they are where they are as quickly as they are because of Howie Roseman and maybe some good luck. I guess I have become a typical Eagle fan because at the end of that giant game, jump ball, Jalen Rager can't come down with it. Oh, I thought, yes, what the hell are we doing playing this guy? Not the quarterback had already lost the game for it. Says you survived. Yeah, that's on Jalen Rager. So I've been going nuts screaming about him. for. Well, that's fine, but Jalen Rager wasn't in the end zone. 
You know, I mean, Jay Rigger, I mean, he dropped an earlier pass. Ball's going to be at the He dropped an, yeah, so he dropped an earlier pass that, um, there, if you look at the photo, he's being tackled as he's dropping it. Like, that, that's the photo that's going to run with my column tomorrow. He's clearly being interfered with, and it's a tough call, but he's getting tackled as he's, as he's catching it. He certainly wasn't getting tackled when he dropped the second one. But, again, you know, he didn't drop it in the end zone, and many's the swift took a cup and a lip. You know, one yard line for the Eagles doesn't necessarily ensure that they'll even run it, right? I mean, we've seen we've seen that act before from Nick Sirianni. All that said, look, Jalen Rager's a bust. He just is. He's a hyper bust. He's a hyper bust in comparison to Justin Jefferson, who might be the best young receiver we've seen since you know, a most polished young receiver we've seen since like Marvin Harrison. You know what I mean? Who, if you look, look, though, you look at the way he played, not necessarily his numbers, but the way he played, you were just like, wow, look at this. This guy's ready for prime time immediately. Just plug and play. And most receivers aren't like that. So all that said, yeah, how he's done a better job than I think we give him credit for. That doesn't mean he gets an A, but he certainly doesn't get an F. No, and that's fair, and I think you bring up a good point. Ultimately, uh, the Eagles wanted Andre Dillard to be their left tackle. Uh, didn't work, but they got a left tackle, and they got one of the better left tackles in football. Uh, ulti- you can go and get players in different ways, Marcus, so I agree with you. People are too focused on the first-round picks, the hits or misses. Talk about Justin Jefferson. Part of his success, as you mentioned, Adam Thielen, who's a great receiver on the other side, plus a quarterback who can get him the football, whatever you think of Kirk Cousins, the guy throws for 4,000 yards every year, no matter dating back to Washington. So that's that high-volume passer, which you wouldn't have if you were here. So, But we are where we are, and that is at the bye week, really good chance to make the playoffs, soft schedule in theory, except the Dallas Cowboys in week 18, and we don't even know if they're going to be playing. They might be locked into a seed. Gardner Minshew played the way he did against the New York Jets. Why is this a closed book for the Philadelphia Eagles in that we have to look at Jalen Hurts? Isn't it about getting to the playoffs at this point, or is it more important to evaluate Jalen Hurts for four more games at the potential expense of a playoff uh, position. Now, it doesn't mean Gardner's going to get you there, but guess what? If, you, if Jalen Hurts isn't playing well at halftime on Sunday, why not try Gardner Minshew? Is that crazy? Well, it's not only not crazy, but Jalen Hurts is only valuable as a starter when he's 100% physically. If he's at 80% with that ankle injury, then it's malpractice to start him. Number one, he's just not a fast enough processor with a quick enough release and a strong enough arm to function from the pro- from the pocket the way you have to function from the pro- pocket against Washington football team, which gets to you. That, 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 that defensive line will get to you. Number two, he has bad mechanics and bad habits already. Those are always amplified by lower leg injuries when you're a quarterback. There are very few guys like Aaron Rodgers who can strain his calf or break his toe and the, and just arm talent his way through an NFL opponent. 
And certainly Jalen Hurts is not one of those guys. So before we get to the point where we're making the assumption that it's apples to apples, I would contend that if you are unable to play in a game uh, two weeks from your next game and three weeks removed from your injury, or, or I'm sorry, if you are unable to play in a game a week removed from your injury, you are very unlikely to be 100% three weeks removed from your injury. So that's part A for me. Part B is you have a responsibility to develop more than Jalen Hurts. You have a responsibility to give, you know, sorry, Jody, Jalen Rager better opportunities to catch football from a better quarterback. You know, um, they, they haven't passed the ball. They hadn't passed the ball much in the four weeks before that Giants game. And, you know, Jalen Rager wasn't given a whole lot of opportunity. I don't know if he's just incapable of catching the ball, whether it's a mind thing, whether he's – but we've seen this before. Like, an aggle. Oh, tell us we're not losing Marcus. I wanted to be able to say to him, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I could just as easily sit here and go, they need to give Jalen Hurts – Viable wide receivers who can catch the football. If you're going to evaluate him yeah. as the future quarterback, it is, you know, it, it is. is to say Jalen Rager's got to be given a chance to prove that he can catch the ball by catching him from someone better than Jalen Hurts. It all comes uh, yeah, down to which is. way you're, which end of the gun you're looking into. It is a chicken and the egg scenario, which which is the problem. But Marcus brings up a good point in the fact that uh, people do say. You know, you hear it all the time. We've said it on this show. It's about evalu evaluating Jalen Hurts, where Marcus is absolutely correct. You have to evaluate more than Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Rager aside, you have to evaluate Devontae Smith. You have to get Devontae Smith up to speed, and he's a, a potential star player. So it is about more than Jalen Hurts, and I feel like and, – and we'll bring Marcus back in here – I, I feel like, Marcus, that too many people say it's all about Jalen Hurts. It's all about Jalen Hurts. No, it's about the football team as a whole. Right. And you, you owe it to Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and all these other players who are veterans to get them to the playoffs every time you can. And if Gardner Minshew gives you a better chance of that in week to week, fine. I will argue that Jalen Hurts can win you games if he's 100%, as as easily, perhaps, as Gardner Minshew. Because Minshew does have limitations, and if you game plan for him, you force him to throw deep outs and long balls and, you know, flush him from the pocket and disguise blitzes. He has his limitations as well. He's only started, like, 25 games in his career. So we're not talking about, you know, Kirk Cousins here. We're talking about a guy who's relatively great. But to your point, John, I mean – I want to see more balls for Wes Watkins. I want to see more balls for Devontae Smith, who is, again, incredibly polished, ready to play, and probably the least exploited asset in the NFL at this point because he has to play with Jalen Hurts. Devontae Smith should have a Justin Jefferson year, but he's playing, you know, with Kevin Cobb. So he just can't. That's just not there. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the idea that you would sacrifice the, your best chance again to postseason to develop quarterback with such a low ceiling. I mean, 
I don't think anybody would argue that Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback with a franchise quarterback's arm. That, to me, is just silliness. He might be able to win you a lot of games and maybe be able to win you a Super Bowl by hook or by crook. But he's not that guy. And it's it, it's just a, it's like a non-starter in a conversation. If, if somebody says, how do you know he's not a franchise quarterback? That implies that they think he might be. And at that point, the conversation for me is over. All right. So uh, we know that when the game rolls around on Sunday, score will dictate the way that the coach is going to call this game from a play call standpoint. Um, but in theory, before the game starts, you can have a belief on what you're hoping to be able to see, that you're going to go out and you're going to dictate the way that it's going to go. What do you think the run-pass ratio should be going into this game, Marcus? Against 60-40. 60 It doesn't matter. the pass. Yeah. Yes, it doesn't matter the competition. If Jalen Hurts starts, it has to be 60-40. You cannot ask him to throw the ball more than 20, 22 times. That, that's, that's just who he is and what he is. Um, All right. If, J- if Jalen's not good to go, because we don't know that he's even going to play yet, uh, we'll find right. out a little later in the week. If he can't go, Gardner Minshew's the starter, what's the run-pass ratio? 50-50. I believe that this offensive line, especially if Kelsey is – Eight percent or better. This offensive line can dictate, especially as the game progresses, that it's going to run the ball productively, almost regardless of who's running the ball. You know what I'm saying? All the running backs have been successful. The co- the common theme has been uh, the offensive line. Is, this is an elite, elite offensive line. You know, Jeff Stoutland. All due respect to you know. Uh, all the assistant coaches and coordinators who have been here, including like John Gruden, who won a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, and you know other great assistants and position coaches. Just Outland's the best assistant coach they've ever had, and it's not really close. I mean, what he's done with different types of players, old players who he made middle-aged players he made better, old players he got more out of, young players he turned into offensive linemen is just it's just unprecedented. So. This offensive line can dictate that it's going to run the ball. And there's very little the opposition can do about it. Yeah, I agree with you, Marcus. I've I've argued that Jeff Stoutland might be the MVP of this team. When people look at Darius Slay or Jason Kelsey, I look at Jeff Stoutland, what he's able to do with that offensive line, with all the injuries in context to other teams in this league, when they suffer injuries on the offensive line and things get really, really ugly, very quickly, but I do want to circle back to your 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 thought process on on the quarterback because obviously people are very interested in that in Philadelphia. It sounds to me like your evaluation is over. So the goal should, for the Eagles should be to get better in the off season, and to me that means short term. That means get into the playoffs for people like Jason Kelsey, for people like Fletcher Cox, by hook or by crook, no matter what you have to do. And then you look to improve at the quarterback position in the offseason. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Looks like we lost uh, Marcus again. But uh, So I'll throw it to you, Jody. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Doesn't mean Jalen Hurts isn't going to be the starter here in 2022, but you're looking to upgrade. If you can get Russell Wilson, if you can get Deshaun Watson and things are cleared up, 
or if you like Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral or somebody else in the draft, you look to improve. If you can improve, you move forward. As I always say, a bridge can be longer than one year. Why does everyone say bridge quarterback, bridge quarterback, it's got to be a year? No, a bridge quarterback could be longer than one year. Here's my stance. As we sit here on what is today's date, December 14. This is show number 176 of Birds 365. I have one goal starting today and going forward until situations and circumstances change. Make the playoffs. I'm not worried about evaluation going forward. I'm not worried about who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the wide receiver three, since Marcus gave me a hard time, since I'm so fixated on the fact that Jalen Rager stinks. I don't <laughs> care who's going to be the linebacking, the playmaking linebacker. I do have a little concern about Rodney McLeod, and, but guess what? We'll figure that out later down the road during the offseason, whether he's going to be back or not. No, no, no. One goal. Next four games. Win as many as possible make the playoffs, chips will fall where they may, and we'll figure it out thereafter. I'm not worried about evaluation now. I'm not worried about where the draft pick is going to land. Is it better to make the playoffs and get blown out but get the experience than it is to actually come down a couple, three, four, five slots in the draft if you lose the three of the four? No, no, no. One goal, one goal only. Win as many games as possible between now and the end of the season, and everything else that comes off that goes on the back burner. Put yourself in the best position, player usage, play calling, effort, whatever it takes to win games, win as many as possible between now and the end of the year. That's well, the way me, I'm handling it if I'm Nick Sirianni. Let me ask you this, Jody. Because you're you you talk about all sports on on WIP, so it's more than just the NFL. You do it on CBS Radio as well, yep. all the time for years and years and years. Did, did you you know you do it every day, so it's probably not noticeable. But if you look back, if you look in the rearview mirror, where did this shift start? Where did it start when people started talking about we got to worry about next season? And, and, and they're not worried about what's right in front of them. Because, you know, Marcus brought up a good point. You, it, It's not only, as I said, again, it's not only about the quarterback, even the young receivers. you got veterans on this team. you got the Fletcher Coxes of the world, the Jason Kelseys of the world, even the Brandon Grams who's not able to play. Go win a football game on Sunday so you can win a football game next Sunday and keep moving along. Hey, when did that shift? Did you notice the shift at the time? Because it's not just the NFL. Everybody's always worried about the future, and they're never worried about what's right in front of them. It's bizarre to me. It is bizarre, unless you're a, a championship contender. It's a fair question, and it's an accurate question, um, but it needs a little shading. Um I think, and I've been doing sports talk radio 30 plus years, the entire 30 plus years, people worried about next season. Um, and I dealt with it on the phones. I dealt with it off the air because my father was a general manager. And oftentimes if I had to look at his team, okay, not this year, what are we going to do to be better next year, dad? So I've been personally doing it for 40 plus years, 
but fans have been doing it my entire 30 years as well. Here's where it's changed. It used to be that you had to be buried. You had to be dead and gone before fans turned the page and said, let's look toward next year. Now you're like correct about this team. There are some people out there, Eagle fans are actually saying, well, we're not really a Super Bowl contender. So why don't we focus on what's going to be best for 2022 or 2023 when we actually have a chance to make additions and not only uh, make the playoffs, but go to the playoffs and win and maybe go back to another Super Bowl. That has changed. You are correct about that. It used to be you had to be done and gone before anybody turned the page to the next year. Now, the Eagles are in it. Yes, they're six and seven. I get that. Below 500, you don't get – well, they just keep expanding the playoffs in every sport. So you don't have to be a very good team to make the playoffs. You only have to be a mm, slightly above average team or an average team to make the playoffs. Six and seven, are you even average? Well, you, your record says no, I you're below yeah. 500. And they're legitimately in. And you're, well, they're out, Jody. Well, Washington's in and they're six and seven. And you play Washington on Sunday, so you can take care of that. Go above 500 and put Washington in your rearview mirror at least for two weeks. Uh, so you're right, John. Um, 15 years, 10, 10, 15 years, the fans really got so obsessed. And it's the amateur general managers that are out there that think they know better. Uh, Jody McDonald being one, John McMullen being another, that we sit here and analyze and second-guess things that Howie Roseman do. Yeah, it really is that fans like to play the off the field game as much as the analysts uh, analysis of the on the field game. Uh, it has changed, but it's gotten much more uh, easily turn the page and get the next year, which does annoy me because, you know, I was never an anti I was an anti process guy. I think they took it to a level they <laughs> never needed to with the 76ers. I get it. You got to rebuild from time to time. Jeff Lloyd's favorite word, transition. Yeah, you have to do that from time to time if you want your organization to continue to be competitive. You never have to tank like the Sixers did. And no one should be thinking along those lines with this year's Philadelphia Eagles squad because they can legitimately make the playoffs as we sit with four weeks to play. No, and different sports are. It is more difficult to build a championship team, I would say, in the NBA than the NFL where everybody uh, there's a lot more parity in the NFL and, and there tends to be super teams in the NBA, but that's, that's, that's a different process. Still, if you're in it um, and I heard that, I don't even like using that word in Philadelphia because it's been bastardized to such a degree that the word process uh, because of what the Sixers did with it. Um, from the Eagle standpoint, you don't have to do a process. So why would you do a process? Why, you know, you make a couple good decisions. You're right back in the mix. Uh, they weren't supposed to be a playoff contender. Guess what? They are a playoff contender. So we talked about changing expectations yesterday on yesterday's shows. Change your expectations. They have a chance to make the playoffs. Go make the playoffs. It's pretty simple to me. Very simple to me. The, the, as I just said to you a couple minutes ago, I have one goal. If I'm Jeff Lurie, Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni, the three major principles, and I hope, I hope that we're all on the same page. The key one, of course, is the coach because he's going to be pulling the trigger on Sunday on call, play, calling, and decisions and moves and guys in and off the on and off the field. The only thing I'm worried about is winning football games. 
I'm not worried about evaluating players for next year. I'm not worried about the growth that those players are going to show so they can be better in 2022, 2020. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. And by the way, Jody, if you try to win football games, you evaluate players. You're evaluating the tape players. It's going to be there, your, win or lose. Yes. At the end of the game, you're going to be able to put the tape you're, you're in and evaluate players. them. And guess what? If you as a head coach in this league, and to Nick Sirianni's credit, um, he has said, yeah, my only goal is winning the football game. If you're about, if you're saying, guess what? Certain so, and I'm not even going to throw a name out there. It could be, it could be Jalen Hurts. It could be Jalen Rager. It could be anybody. Uh, and you come up to a game that it's a sort of uh, must win, whether it's in a literal sense or a figurative sense, like like Sunday is uh, for the Eagles. And I'll talk about that after our final break. Um, you're evaluating that player. If you say, guess what? I don't have a, as good a chance as I, I, I to win as if I play this player. That's an evaluation. <laughs> That's helping you evaluate for next season. So in a lot of ways, it doesn't even make sense. The best way to evaluate is to go about trying to win a football game each week because it tells you everything you need to know about a particular player. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We've got a couple minutes left. You know what's coming. A bow for the show. And I hope you enjoy the bows to the shows that we add every single day in our final segment. If you do, feel free to like the show. Feel free to share the show. Feel free to subscribe to the show. Uh, We need to raise our algorithm, whatever the hell that means, here on Birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. A couple of minutes left. Do want to run this uh, by you, John. And I know you're not as, yeah, I'll use the word obsessed uh, uh, with something as I am. Um, Yeah, I'm a guy who pays close attention to the lines that are put out on football games. And I may even from time to time dabble with sharing my opinion and or uh, my financial resources if I believe I've got a pretty good grasp on a game. Um, The Eagles and the Washington football team, as soon as the games are over on Sunday, uh, wagering outlets will come out with spreads, betting lines on games immediately. The opening line for the Eagles in Washington, uh, one place I saw had it as low as two and a half. Most places added it three or three and a half. I'm on VegasInsider.com right now. It's up to four and a half points everywhere, and some places have it as high as five. So it's made a pretty significant move toward the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, it's one of those, I gave you chicken and egg earlier. I'll give you good news, bad news here. The good news is usually when the line moves toward a team, that's a good sign. The betting public, the money thinks that the Eagles are the better team and should win the game and should win by X amount of points. That's good news. Bad news is if you wanted to bet on the Eagles, you just lost some standings because the point spread is going up. And if they end up winning this game by four points, you're going to say, why the hell didn't I bet it was three, three and a half? Why did I get in then? Um, But it has gone above four points right now which is, I think, indicative of the fact that John Public thinks the Eagles should win this football game. I know Jonathan Allen's COVID status could play a big role in who's going to win the game on Saturday. I'm just not sure why it's moved that much. Every once in a while, the odds makers will come out with a bad line and uh, the betters will take advantage of it immediately and tell them, hey, you screwed up, you put out a bad line. We're going to bet heavily on this. I'm not sure that's the case with this. Why do you think the line has moved as much as it has toward the Eagles uh, here in the first 48 hours after the line? My guess would be injuries and what happened to Washington against Dallas and Taylor Heineke plus Terry McLaurin plus uh, Tyler Larson uh, and Jonathan Allen being on the COVID list now. So um, I believe he is vaccinated. I believe Jonathan Allen is uh, vaccinated, so there is a chance that he could play. Whereas if he wasn't, he'd be out for ten days, and that would really affect things. 
But yeah, from a betting standpoint, we talked about we started with COVID, we'll end with COVID. Uh, from a betting standpoint, that's got to wreak havoc with people. I, I, I don't know how you pick these games to begin with. And then you got to you got to fact, oh, Jonathan Allen's not playing at the last minute. So and so, you know, and and these every day at four o'clock now, Jody, that's when the end of the business day. That's when the news will start to trickle in. And then the NFL has their internal transaction wire and everybody races to it to look at who tested positive today. And it was 36 yesterday, 37 total, because there was one front office person or employee, I believe, in Washington. Um, Everybody's going to be looking at it 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock today to see how many are on that list. And it could be more Eagles. It could be more Washington football team. I don't know how you deal with that with the line. I can say, you know, let me get this in real quick, 538.com, which is Nate Silver's political site, the New York Times. They do these predictive models all the time now. They say, who's got the best chance to make the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Well, Washington is the final team, the number 17. The Eagles are actually predicted to have the best chance of that group of five, though, to make the playoffs at 37%. Now, then they go, if they beat Washington, that spikes to over 50%. If they lose to Washington, it goes down to 11%. So while this this is not a literal must win game, this is a figurative, essentially must-win game. Mm, it's, it's a pretty harsh figurative teams. if you're talking yeah. the difference between 50% and 11%. That's huge. Yeah, exactly. Damn. So take it for what it's worth. All right. Uh, what I'm taking is uh, your absence tomorrow. We're on Birch 365. I'll be here at the beginning. You got COVID testing and then hanging around to wait and see how the walkthrough went. Who you get? Yeah, well, you get... first of all, I got to get in. We have rapid testing because with the bye week, we didn't have to get tested. So now we have rapid testing. So you have to get tested. You got to wait to see if you pass. And only then are you allowed into the facility. So, And then do you have to take another test? No, no. The rapid test is good for the Rapid for test the is week. good enough? Okay. Yeah. Right, but yeah. Uh, yeah, cross fingers on that one. All right, so you'll be here in the morning. Jeff Kerr will be here with us. He'll be sitting in John's chair tomorrow, but we'll get John up uh, to start the show. And uh, who we got? Who we got joining us tomorrow? I forget again. Um, we got a guest hmm. already booked. I don't remember. Who I it forget. Is. That's that's my I'm bad. Getting old, I, I should know that. Uh, but instead, we'll just thank the two guests <laughs> we had. Tommy Lawler did a nice job from for us from Eagle Blitz. Dot com and Marcus Hayes was Marcus Hayes. He's riling feathers, which he usually does, which is why we like Marcus uh, before his connection went south on his phone and his car. Uh, we'll surely get Marcus up again in a couple of weeks. All right, partner, have a good day tomorrow. Uh, may the nose be with you. And your rap- did they do the rapid test up the nose too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, always, it's always a crapshoot, depending on who you get. And I hope you uh, get the results that you want and need tomorrow. JM will be here with us early, and then uh, we'll have some more fun on Birds 365 tomorrow, just 22 hours from now. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.